Hey, you're here with Dr. Jody, and this is season four of Anxiety, I'm So Done With You. This podcast is a teen and a young adult guide to ditching toxic stress and hardwiring your brain for happiness. If you're new here, grab a copy of my book, Anxiety, I'm So Done With You, because this series goes section by section through the book, going a little bit deeper, giving more examples and telling more stories. In this season, which follows along with chapter four, we are finally focusing on you making peace with yourself because you can't get rid of anxiety when you're still being your own worst critic. And you know what I mean? You have been your own worst critic and you don't deserve that. You deserve kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. And in this season, I'm going to give you the practical tools on how to do that with yourself. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and leaving me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Please spread the word about this book and series because mental health problems have dire consequences that cause more and more pain to young people, their families, and their communities. And I need you to help me turn the tide by sharing these tips for embracing self-love. Welcome to the episode that accompanies Chapter 4, Section 2, Embrace Letting Go. In this episode, we're finally going to go over my three steps to letting go. Now, I know I foreshadowed this three-step process in earlier sections of the book. And if you've been following me for a while, you may have heard them already. So I'm going to try to challenge myself in this episode to give you more so that you could see it through many different lenses. I hope I succeed. First, let me tell you how I came up with these three steps. There was a time many, many years ago when I had a friend ghost me. It was someone I was very attached to and texted several times a day. Now, when someone cuts you off, they hold all of the power, which is the reason that being ghosted is so frustrating. You're hurt from the rejection and then annoyed at not being able to express yourself. You can't tell the other person what they did and get any validation at all for what they put you through. You want to, but you can't. It's like invalidation on top of invalidation. So not only did I feel rejected, but I felt powerless that I couldn't tell her how she hurt me. Plus, there was a huge void in my day from all of that time that I used to spend messaging her. With nowhere to go, my frustrations stayed in my head where you and I both know they wreak some intense havoc. It was happening. I went over and over what happened, what we last said to each other. And I imagined telling her how I felt so that she'd feel bad for cutting me off. All the things. I read back our old text. I did everything that usually people do in this kind of situation. I drove myself crazy. That is what lack of validation could do to a human mind. For me, the rumination went on for weeks. One day, I took the morning off to take a hike. I just needed to escape and have a break from it all. This situation was taking up a lot of my emotional and energetic bandwidth, as situations like this usually do, and it made me burn out very quickly even in other areas of my life. So I was hiking this path to a waterfall, and I decided I'd stop thinking about this. Like, I was done, and I wanted to stop thinking about it. I would put it out of my mind, and I was going to move on. 
I knew that these tumbling thoughts were making me more miserable and there was no resolution in sight. I had to stop. By the way, this was not the first time that I had decided that I was going to stop thinking about it and stop ruminating about it. I had been trying to do this, but it wasn't working. And again, that day, all the way down to the waterfall, when I really wanted to be enjoying nature and having a relaxing time, I kept finding my attention over and over coming back to her and the situation. Then I would get mad at myself for allowing it back. Uh, Stop, Jody. What's wrong with you? Stop thinking about it. When I got to the waterfall, I laid down on the bank to meditate a little while. And at one point I looked up and I saw these little football-shaped leaves, these yellow leaves. And they seemed to be hovering on the top of the waterfall. They were falling, but they were falling really, really slowly. Because of the pressure of the waterfall coming down, just in front of the waterfall, the air pressure goes up. Caught between the upward air pressure and gravity, they appear to be floating. And I looked at those leaves and I thought, they're coming down as fast as they can. What I was noticing is that there was no pressure, no pun intended. What I mean is no demand on them to come down. There was no judgment that they were taking so long to fall. And I thought, it takes as long as it needs to take for the heart to heal. And in that moment, I realized that the judgment was making it take longer to get over this. The judgment about still being upset. That judgment, which rejected my allowing myself to feel a regular, appropriate feeling to the situation, made me attach to it. And that attachment, as I illustrated in Season 1, Episode 1, The Globs of Self-Judgment and Those Globs of Worry, they exponentially increased my emotional turmoil. Instead of attaching, that day at that waterfall, I decided to allow my feelings, like the leaves, to fall as fast or as slow as they wanted to, even if they took a very, very long time. You might be thinking that allowing a feeling sounds counterintuitive when you don't want to feel something, when it's so awful to feel it and you just want to stop feeling it. Why would you allow that? This is the thing. I know that you want it to go away, and I totally get it. But the desperation to get rid of it makes it stay longer. When you allow it, you get to go through it and out the other side. Did you ever hear that quote, if you're going through hell, keep going? It means don't stay there. Allow the feeling to come, and then they can go. Thank goodness you're prepped for this one, because the best way to allow your feelings is via self-compassion. Self-compassion is the opposite of negative self-judgment. When you feel something, anything, you say, I get it. I understand why I feel that way. Remember the gesture to kiss your hand and touch your heart that we talked about in season three, episode one. I made that up the same day as I was at that waterfall, the same day as I saw those leaves and figured out, oh, I could take a while to heal from this And that's okay. That day, as I was hiking out from the waterfall down the path back to my car, what I did was every time I noticed myself thinking about the situation, I'd kiss my hand and I'd touch my heart, telling my heart that it made sense and I understood, and giving myself a little self hug. And then I would gently bring my attention to something else. 
I was on a beautiful trail so I could just look around. But if I was home, I could busy myself cleaning or preparing something or reaching out to someone to engage my intention on something else, anything else. If I tried to force myself, like, stop thinking about it. No, think about something else. Stop thinking about it. Just like I did for weeks already and all the way to the waterfall, that would be attachment too. You have to be gentle with yourself so this works. You have to gently take your attention from that to something else without giving it too much energy and upsetness because upsetness releases your adrenaline. Now that you know where it came from, let's go over the formal three-step process that I developed that day. First of all, in talking to clients for years and years and years, I realized that the biggest obstacle to forgiving themselves or letting go of something was because they still felt responsible for it. They didn't think they deserved to let go or be forgiven. This is very similar to forgiving someone else when they did something. People hold on to their feelings because they think either if they let it go, it takes away the significance in a way that would be akin to to saying that it doesn't matter that it happened and it would subjugate their sense of worth. So they hold on to things as if they're holding on to it not being okay. This gets convoluted because in general, they don't feel worthy in the first place because of what happened, which makes them feel even more out of control. And so they have to try to claim or grab control somewhere and they overwork or they people please or they don't eat or they get addicted to something or obsessed about something or something. They have to grab control somewhere when they feel that out of control. Whatever it is, it perpetuates being out of control. Forgiveness is not condoning and it's not a gift that you give to the other person at your own expense. Think about forgiveness as you no longer defining yourself by what happened. You're no longer giving that person and what occurred control over your life and your identity. That's what it means to forgive. What happened, happened. It was not okay but it doesn't have to define you anymore. What happened, happened. Letting go can't change that it happened. Nothing could change the past. But right now you're living the effects of what happened or the consequences of it. And those effects are your response to what happened. Namely, how you think about it, how you feel about it, the effects of the trauma on your memory, how you approach things or yourself or your relationships on the account of what happened. All of those are the devastating effects of trauma, and they're causing you so much pain right now. But luckily, those are the things that you do have the power to change. But in the meantime, they affect what you think that you deserve. Deserving plays a big role on holding on to things. So I knew this needed to be addressed first, and therefore, the initial step is knowing that you deserve to let go. We talked about this in the last episode because we were talking about guilt's effects on you. And I showed you how to make meaning that stops the questioning mind. So you don't need to go back to the guilt over and over and over. When it comes to forgiving yourself, though, it's trickier. For some reason, it is a lot easier for us to forgive other people than it is to forgive ourselves, probably because it feels so ordered to blame ourselves. That's the quickest way we could get order. Yes, you're human. You've probably made some mistakes in your life, of course. 
But a real problem is that people blame themselves for something that they had nothing to do with. And if it was something that you did, you hopefully have some kind of regret. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't be listening to my podcast. You wouldn't have the patience for it because you wouldn't be trying to make yourself a better person. You'd be out there trying to control someone else. Those feelings of regret and shame and guilt mean that you're a good person, that you care about being ethical and doing the right thing. But like I said in the last episode, guilt and shame and regret have a purpose to call your attention to the situation. Once your attention is there, you are able to assess and decide what kind of action that you could take going forward. You can repair relationships, you can make up for something, you could pay kindness forward, or commit to doing something differently the next time. But staying in the guilt and shame and regret does nothing for you or anybody else around you, but it causes you to isolate yourself, it causes your self-confidence to plummet, and it could cause rifts in all your relationships. There's nothing there for you. There's nothing there for you to stay stuck in guilt and shame and regret. Think about it. If something causes you some regret or shame or guilt, confirm that you are a good person and not the bad person that you thought you were because you made the mistake. It means you're a good person. Let that you care about doing the right thing define you instead of the mistake defining you. Think about why a person like you would make a mistake like that. It's usually very easy to understand. And if you can't forgive yourself or you can't think that you deserve it, think about somebody else doing what you did. It's usually a lot easier to have compassion for somebody else. If you think that they deserve forgiveness, then you deserve forgiveness. Let's look at a hypothetical example. Say one day you went out with some friends and another person found out and felt badly that you didn't invite them. You might feel guilty about that because you care about that person. You might have done it on purpose because that person that you left out always steals all the attention and you knew that another friend in your group needed to talk through a problem. Or you might have done it accidentally. This is a friend that is often really busy and can never come and hang out with you. And so this one day you didn't even think of asking them. And that happened to be a day that they were free and felt bad that they weren't invited. Whatever happened, there's a reason, and that reason is usually not evil. You are human, and you are going to sometimes make mistakes, and sometimes you're going to make choices that you regret. You wish you didn't make those choices. But that is how we learn. We learn through our mistakes and our response to our mistakes. Like if we hurt somebody, how do we make up for having hurt them? What kind of kindnesses or what kind of apologies do we offer to let them feel that we care? That's the important part. You are human and you will make mistakes and those are forgivable. I've known a lot of people who wouldn't forgive themselves for something very little, but would forgive other people for something much, much worse. That's ridiculous. You deserve forgiveness especially if you do restorative action, if you apologize in a way that makes people feel validated again, that helps them heal from the hurt that you caused. In the blog post that goes along with this episode, I put a video about the best way to apologize to restore relationships. The link is in the show notes. 
Sometimes when you hurt somebody and then you restore that relationship, your relationship is even better. It's like when you break a bone and then it heals, that bone and that scar tissue is even stronger than the original bone. I'm not saying try to hurt people because it's good for the two of you. It'll happen without you trying and you could restore that relationship and learn so much from it and get closer and closer to people. But if you stay in the guilt and shame and regret, you pull away from people instead of getting close to them. Not helpful. If you're still struggling to decide whether you deserve forgiveness or not, ask a friend to help you or ask an adult that you trust to help you work through this process. And then whether you feel all the way through your entire body that you deserve it, you have to decide that you deserve it and that consciousness will slowly change your beliefs. So you don't have to know or you don't have to prove that you deserve it. That's ridiculous because it's relative and there's no truth here. Trying to find the truth is like making the mind make sure it gets something right. That's black and white thinking, which is the same as perfectionism, and there is nothing for you there. You have to decide that you deserve it and make that your truth. Then, without this huge obstacle of not deserving in your way, you can move on to the next two steps of the letting go process. Step two is, wait for it, wait for it, let it go. That's it. Let it go. For this, you just set the intention to let go. You've already decided that you deserve to and that you want to, and now you decide that you will let go. And I suggest a ritual for doing this. Human societies have had ceremonies in their communities for millennia because they help us feed energy into our intentions. They help us celebrate our accomplishments and make meaning to sustain our commitments. That's why we have ceremony. And in the what's in your hand activity of this section, I suggest holding a ceremony for yourself around something that you want to let go of. And we're going to get back to planning that in a moment. But let's move on to step three. Step three is practice. Your questioning your regret, your hurt, your anger, your frustration, whatever you're holding on to will come back. Expect that. That's what a human mind does. Be prepared for it to come back. And when it does, think about the leaves in front of the waterfall floating there. Say, I get it. I get why that hurt me. And then kiss your hand and touch your heart and give yourself a little hug and bring your attention gently onto something else. You may need to repeat that last step over and over, which is why I call it practice. Because it'll come back and you have to kiss your hand, touch your heart and take your attention away. It'll come back again and you have to kiss your hand and touch your heart and take your attention away and it'll come back again. But the less attached you are to the negative feelings, the more those times it comes back will space out and eventually fade away. For me, after weeks of rumination about my friend who ghosted me, I started this process and it went away within days. After weeks of struggling, it went away within days and it was easier immediately. So it immediately starts to spread out and get less and less and spread out more and spread out more. So you immediately feel a lessening of intensity. 
even though it stays around for a couple days because it's fading. That walk to the waterfall was 15 years ago, and I have used this same method over and over and over. And I 100% credit this process with all of my happiness, all of my relationships, all of my abilities to take myself from despair to hope again. And through those 15 years, I also taught it to my clients, and they have used it in countless contexts. And it's strange sometimes how fast their emotional turmoil fades away so quickly because the next time I see them, they often have no energy about it anymore. They're like, oh yeah, that's what I was talking about last time. Hmm. It's like gone, gone for them. You see, judgment attaches us to negative feelings. When we stop judging, there's almost nothing else to do to heal. Just want to add a note here. If you're working on steps two and three and it is not working, no matter what you do, briefly check in with yourself about whether you feel confident that you deserved to let it go. If not, go back and do that work. Get some help from someone else. Get out of your head and have someone reflect back to you whether you deserve to let this go or not. They will help you decide that you do deserve it. However, be really careful here because a lot of the time I find that when things come back, people think that they have more work to do, but they don't. It's just that they didn't know that it was natural for it to come back. There is a discourse that many people believe, including mental health practitioners and coaches, that if something comes back, it means that there's something else to heal, that you didn't quite get it at all. I think that's really dangerous because I see a lot of people going back into the content of the problem once they healed it because our mind brings it back and we think that we have to do something. We think that we didn't heal it all. But the biggest problem is us paying attention to the problem again, getting caught in the content of what it's saying. I saw a meme this morning that I stuck in the blog post that goes with this episode. It illustrates getting a distance from our thoughts. Instead of focusing on the content of the thoughts, we are observing the thoughts. This distancing and witnessing immediately regulates our nervous system, decreasing our negative emotions. The meme gives three examples. In the first one, the person is saying, I'm a failure. And in the second one, the person is saying, I'm having a thought that I'm a failure. And in the third one, they are saying, I'm noticing that I'm having a thought that I'm a failure. You see, in the second and the third example, you're out of the content of the thought. You're not trying to defend yourself from being called a failure or give testimony to why you think that you're a failure. You're not debating about how much of a failure that you are and how your failures will ruin your life and any relationship that you have. In these consecutive examples, I'm a failure, I'm having a thought that I'm a failure, and then I'm noticing that I'm having a thought that I am a failure. The term failure becomes less and less meaningful and eventually not meaningful at all as the distance between you and the thought becomes greater and greater. In summary, the compassion allows you to feel validated enough to let go of any of the figuring it out that the mind wants to do so that you could let go. And then you have to expect it to come back and practice not getting back into the content of it and taking your attention away 
what do you think? Once you decide what you want to let go of, you can get on to the fun part, the planning of the ceremony. If you have the ebook or the audio version, I put the ceremony planning guide in the blog post that goes with this episode. That link is in the show notes. Ceremonies are not weird or woo-woo. They are rooted in so much history that they work to help you feel connected. You align and work with the energies around you and so feel less and less vulnerable and instead feel empowered and backed up. When you offer any of your intentions to the earth, you feel supported by the beauty of nature instead of a victim of its chaos. In fact, during ceremonies, I always open up space by asking for the permissions and the protections of the ancestors of the land that I am on. At my home in upstate New York, the ancestors are the Haudenosaunee people. I'm a settler person in the U.S., and that means I'm not indigenous to where I'm living right now. My ancestors came from somewhere else, and in my instance, they came from Italy. Especially as a settler person, it is important for me to honor the people who historically and rightfully lived in this unceded territory. If you don't know who that is, you can look it up at native-land.ca, native-land.ca, and that link is in the show notes. An essential first step is to stop ignoring the horrible history by acknowledging the atrocities of the settler people on the native communities and environment. And you could begin to bring this into your awareness by giving a land acknowledgement as often as you can. That means to name the ancestors of the land that you're on and acknowledge that the land was unceded. The Haudenosaunee didn't leave by their own choice. They were tricked and forced to leave. The beginning of a ceremony is a perfect time to do this. Native Americans have an anointed ancestry. They lived here and in rooted harmony with the earth for over 20,000 years. And if you wanted to live in harmony and you asked for their permission, they will show you how to tap into that root. Besides, when you ask for permissions, it is a powerful way to ensure that your intentions and your actions are kind and for the common good. When I do it, I specifically ask that the intentions and the commitments that I'm celebrating in the ceremony be a blessing only to myself and to my relations, to my communities, and to the earth herself. I also ask for guidance on the next steps and forgiveness for any mistake that I make in the future. This invites a consciousness into everything that I do. And when I'm done with ceremony, I sit for a moment and just listen. Sometimes a bit of wisdom and understanding arise, and that is just the thing that I needed to hear in that moment. Then, with so much gratitude, I offer a bit of fruit or bread or a flower to the earth to say, thank you. I put some other videos and resources in the blog post that goes along with this episode. Follow the link in the show notes to head over there and check those out. And while you're there, say hello to me in the comments and tell me about your ceremony and share with me how you're doing and how you are feeling. And don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube and TikTok at Dr. Jody, D-O-C-T-O-R-J-O-D-I. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Anxiety. I'm so done with you. 
In this episode, you learned the three steps to letting go. Know you deserve it, let go, and practice. I appreciate your subscribing, commenting, and leaving me five stars on Apple Podcasts. The next episode will cover chapter four, section three, embrace realistic expectations. Read or listen to that and I'll see you there.